Good to see you guys. We're wrapping up a series this morning. Pastor Farrell will be out in just a moment. He's given me the privilege to open it up as we, we come to a conclusion in the series of what we've been calling Breaking Bad. We've been talking now for four weeks about Psalm 127.1 that says, Unless the Lord builds the house, which means the generations, the, the, the offspring, the God always looks at our family through a multi-generational kinds of lens. Unless the Lord builds the house, we that labor, we that work on that house are wasting our time. Uh, simply put, there is a supernatural world at work that, is, that becomes a thread through our families and we have to make choices that not just affect our lives, but they affect the lives of the generations to come. And we can make choices that honor God and put blessings in motion for generations to come, or we can make choices that dishonor God and His Word and set in motion patterns of death, patterns of dis function, patterns of misery, and so we've been leaning in for four weeks now, and i got to tell you, I am thrilled by the conversations that I'm having. Pastor Farrell's telling me the same thing. Some of you guys in your life groups are talking about this stuff. You've been talking about it with your friends. You've been challenged. You've been stretched. You've been thinking. You've been praying, and today we're coming to a conclusion, and we're going to draw a line in the sand today. We're going to decide today that whatever things we've identified in our lives that are bringing misery to our family and could potentially bring it to our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and remember, we're not just talking about biological kids, we're talking about adoptive kids, we're talking about spiritual kids, we're talking about anybody that you have influence in their lives, we're going to set in motion a pattern of blessing. If you're new at the bridge or you've missed some of these messages, there's a website you can go to or an email address you can write to, info at bridgechurch.cc. We'd be thrilled to give you the manuscripts of these messages. And if you're going to put anything on social media, be sure to use uh, hashtag Breaking Bad. And if you haven't done this already, go to Facebook and, and search on hashtag Breaking Bad. You'll see some of the comments that the Bridge family has been making during this series. Some really good stuff. You'll also see, see some stuff about the TV show. Just skip that stuff, okay? Just kind of past that, okay? Today, as I said, we're going to break any curses that exist. Here's the good news. Ready for good news? Jesus said you can be free. Amen? Jesus said you can be free, and we will be free. We have decided we're going to be free from any dysfunctional patterns. We have decided that we're going to pass blessings to the generation to come. So let's get right into it. We've mentioned several times during this series, any curse can be broken by any person in any generation. It does not have to continue, uh, which begs the question to me, then why do any of us pass dysfunctional patterns on? I mean, if we can be free then why aren't we living free? If the shackles can be broken, why do we continue to live with them? Why, so, why do so many negative patterns, destructive patterns, patterns of misery pass from generation to generation? And the answer is what we've been talking about during this series. Jesus said any curse can be broken by any generation, but they have to be broken by, do you remember? By word and deed, by what you say and what you do. And so what we want to do in the few minutes we have this morning before we come to a conclusion and we come to the, uh, we, we make some decisions today, we're going to put action steps on our feet this morning and we're going to break these curses in the name of Jesus Christ. Before we do, Pastor Farrell and I want to make sure you understand what word and deed really means when it comes to breaking curses. There are seven specific steps that you have to take if you're going to determine 
to, uh, to break a curse that's in pattern. And you'll see as we walk through these, some of them are actions that you will take this morning. Some of them are commitments that you make this morning that you will live out in the days ahead in order to be broken. It's kind of like when you got married and you stood at the altar and said, I do. You were fully married in that moment, right? But you have been living out ever since that day what that actually means and becoming better at it hopefully year by year by year. So let's get into it. Seven things, seven steps, seven principles at work in order to break these curses by both word and deed. Number one is you've got to recognize any curse that happens to be at work. If there's a pattern in your family, you can't live in denial about it. You've got to deal with it. You can't break it unless you can acknowledge it. That seems so obvious. But let's be honest, guys, we all have an amazing capacity to rationalize junk away. Can I get an amen in this house? Well, you know, it's probably not a good thing, but, well, you know, it's, you know, it's not as bad as it looks. You know, what a, you know what it means to rationalize? It is to tell yourself rational lies. And you got to quit doing that. You just got to quit doing that. If it helps you at all, if it helps your family pride at all, you are in good company if you got junk in your family. Look at somebody and see, he just told the truth up in here. I mean, read the Bible. It's one of the things I love about the Bible. The Bible does not hide this stuff from the founding fathers and mothers of our faith and of the family of God. He doesn't hide this stuff. I mean, let's walk through the whole Bible in three minutes and see what you find. Well, okay, let's just look at some Genesis stuff. I mean, what do you see? The first brother killed his first brother. That's not a pattern you want to continue, right? Then you got Abraham, who's said to be the father of all of the nations, and he had a child by his wife's maid, and then sent her and the child into the desert to die. This is soap opera stuff, guys. I'm I'm serious. Joseph's 11 brothers decided to kill him, and they decided it would be better to make some money off of him instead and sold him into slavery. Dysfunctional? Anybody say dysfunctional? Jacob tricked his dying, blind father into giving him the inheritance that was rightly due his older brother. Pretty bad, huh? Well, it gets wassa because Jacob got his comeuppance, his father-in-law tricked him into working for seven years for his beautiful daughter and instead gave him his not-so-beautiful daughter. (laughs) I don't know how you say that. Right? I mean, we haven't even gotten through Genesis yet. (laughs) But this is the stuff, guys, of life. All I'm saying is the Bible is full of stories of jealousy and entitlement and lying and favoritism and unfair expectations and fear and power struggles and materialism and sexual sin and anger and apathy and selfishness. Where? Welcome to the family of humanity. Because all that stuff is in Scripture and all that stuff is in here. Can I get a witness in this house? This is earth. It isn't heaven. We aren't there yet. My family got stuff. Your family got stuff. All God's family got stuff, right? So it's kind of like the census taker who went to a remote place in the woods. He found a dilapidated cabin and knocked on the door. And a little girl answered the door. And he said, little girl, is your daddy here? And she said, no, my daddy's in prison for murder. He said, okay, well, well, is your mama here? He said, nope, she ran off with the moonshiner. 
Well, you got any brothers and sisters? Yeah, I got a sister. I got a brother. Well, is your sister here? No, she skipped school. She's down by the swimming hole. Well, how about your brother? Is he here? Well, no, he's at Harvard. He's at Harvard? What's he studying? She went, oh, he's not studying. They're studying him. <laughs> what am I saying? I got stuff. You got stuff. I got you. I got stuff. Denial is not a river in Egypt. <laughs> it is the first obstacle to being free. You've got to recognize it if you want to get past it. You've got to quit trying to fake it until you make it. You've got to humble yourself and say, this ain't good. I'm going to break it. Got it? Number two, ready for number two? You've got to forgive your family. I know the Bible is clear. We have to forgive in order to be forgiven, and that's for everybody. But let's be honest. Sometimes family are the hardest people to forgive because they hurt us the deepest of all. Pastor, you don't understand. Uh, you, you're telling me I have to forgive my family. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they did, and if I forgive them, then I'm saying it's okay. No, no, no. You don't understand what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not saying that it's okay. It's not okay. The wages of sin is death. The Greek word thanatos, misery. The wages of sin is misery perpetrated on the people that are involved in that sin and are touched by that sin. Forgiveness doesn't say it's okay. It's not okay. Forgiveness simply says, I'm not studying revenge. Forgiveness says, I'm going to entrust this situation to God. Every man, every woman will give an account to God one day. I'm going to trust that God is better able to bring this into good accounts than I am. And I'm going to let it go. Perhaps most importantly, forgiveness says, I will not let my past define my future no matter what my past was. And can you understand that if you're, as long as you refuse to forgive, you're holding on to that past, and it is not your past at all. It is your present, and it is defining your forever. you got to let it go. And you do that through forgiveness. The sad reality is if you don't forgive, then you not only keep the hurt alive in your life, but you perpetuate it on the next generation. Then it's not only not your past, it's your present, it's your children's present and future because buried anger becomes depression and depression becomes resentment to one, the one, toward the one that caused it and resentment festers until it becomes a bitter root in our hearts. That's why the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. In other words, nobody uh, holds on to unforgiveness. God is a forgiver. That's His grace that's available to you. We have to make sure that we're living to that standard. We're going to be forgivers too. And that no bitter root, no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile. Who? That's everybody you're in relationship with. Understand that when you hold on to unforgiveness and it ultimately becomes bitterness, it doesn't just become a bitter taste in your mouth. It defiles every relationship you have. And quite often the person that hurt you is off having a party. And you're the one that's poisoning yourself. Just like every family has issues, all of us have to deal with this stuff. We're in humanity. Even Jesus' disciples had to deal with this stuff. Matthew chapter 18, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? 
Now, I don't know if he's talking about, in general terms, my Christian brother, or if he was talking about his little brother, Andrew, that was driving him crazy at the time. I don't know which one, but either way, how many times do I have to forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Now, knowing Peter, he was probably really proud of himself for suggesting that he would forgive seven times if he needed to, and he was just really ready for Jesus to pat him on the head and tell him how wonderful he was. Anybody know what Jesus' answer was? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but, I didn't put it on the screens, did I? Not seven times, but 70 times seven times. You ever done the math on that? That's 490 times a day. That's forgiving once every 1.9 minutes. What's he saying? You forgive and you keep on forgiving until you have genuinely let it go. You see, God is God and you're not. Have you figured that out yet? He's God, you're not. You, you got that? Right? Which means that he forgives and it's gone. We forgive, it ain't gone. <laughs> Come on, it ain't gone. We forgive and we forgive and we forgive. Louis Augsburg does a great job of unpacking this in a book called Caring Enough to Forgive. And he actually says there are stages in the forgiveness process. We'll put it up on the screens and we'll walk through it right quick because I want you to get a handle on this thing. Quite often when somebody hurts us or, or, or we're carrying a hurt, uh, we get into what we simply call the hurt stage. When you're first hurt, you feel kicked in the chest, the wind's knocked out of you, you think you're never going to get past this, your whole world gets consumed by that hurt. Anybody? Understand what I'm talking about? Do your heads like this? It's just kind of, I'm never going to get, how can I forgive? It hurts too bad. I can't believe they did this. I feel betrayed. And so everything becomes this really painful thing. Eventually, though, we start to think, wait a minute. I, I, I deserve better treatment than that. And hurt gives way to hate. Now, don't turn me off here. Some Christians say, oh, no, I'm, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I don't hate anybody. Give me a break. You know that hate is not the opposite of love. You know you can hate somebody and love them at the same time? Ask a child who's struggling with something his parents is doing right now. You can hate somebody and love somebody at the same time. It's true. You can. Because hate is not the opposite of love. What does the Bible say the opposite of love is? It's fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Not casts out all hate. Hate is just an emotion that says, I want you to feel the hurt that I felt. So how do you move from the hurt stage to the hate stage? You forgive. You said, I don't feel like it. Everything in me is screaming, but I choose to be a forgiver. I choose to do what God told me to do. I will not fall short of the grace of God. I choose to forgive. And eventually you start moving out of the hurt stage into the hate stage, and you find yourself going, oh, man, I deserve better treatment than that. And what do you do to get out of the hate stage? Do I need to tell you? You're going to tell me. You forgive again. Remember, every 1.9 minutes if you need to, until you move to the healing stage. Now, this is huge because the healing stage is when you call what Dr. Osberg calls the, the divine surgery. Up until you get to stage three of the forgiveness process, what happens is every time you see the person or even hear the person's name that hurt you, the action that they did immediately is connected. Am I right? You can't even think about them. 
without going, ah, it just happens. Whether it's hurt or hate stage, that's what happens. And in stage three, as you continue to say, I choose to be a forgiver. I choose to let this go. I choose to trust God with this thing. I don't want this to define my present nor my future. I'm going to let it go. Every time you do that, you take one more step in this divine surgery where eventually you can see the person without thinking about the action that they did. You can see them who they are, which is a flawed human being desperately in need of Jesus. You do know that the one thing everybody wakes up every morning in common with is that we all desperately need Jesus. And when you get to this stage, you find yourself praying, oh God, I don't know who did what to them, for them to do what they did to me, would you bring healing into their life? And that's when you know forgiveness is starting to take hold and you're moving into stage four, which is the healthy relationship stage. Now, I'm not saying that you will always go back to that person that hurt you. They may not even be alive and they may not even own up to what they did. I can't, all, I can't promise you you will go back to healthy relationship to the person that hurt you, but I can promise you that until you get through this process, no relationships are healthy. They are all profoundly affected and you are perpetuating the misery until you finally let it go. So if you want to break dysfunctional patterns that got passed to you by whatever means, if you don't want to pass them on to the next generation, you've got to recognize them and you've got to forgive those who came before you. Number three is you've got to bless your family. What? 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 Bless? Are you kidding me? You wanted me to forgive them and now you actually want me to do something to bless them? Don't get mad at me, I'm just the messenger. I didn't make this up. Jesus did, okay? What did he say? Luke chapter 6, verse 28, bless those who curse you. And again, I'm not saying put yourself in harm's way. I'm not saying go back and let them hurt you again. I'm not suggesting that. But I am saying that curses are broken by both word and deed. So to feel, fully seal the deal, you need to find a way to bless them, even though they don't deserve it. The uh, best example uh, that I know is, is, is how Paul put it in Ephesians 6, 2, and 3, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth, said to be the only commandment with a promise. If you want to be blessed with a long life, how do you do it? By honoring your father and mother. He didn't say honor them if they were sufficiently honorable. There's no qualifier in that statement, right? So if the only thing you can do is thank you for giving me life, if the only thing you can do is say I forgive you, if the only thing you can do is make sure that you don't pass the dysfunction on, honor them. Because in doing so, you're breaking the pattern in your own life and for the sake of your family. What a message by Pastor Jim today. You know what I call him? King James. King James. And there's Queen James right over there. <laughs> All right, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. So we're talking about how to break the curse. And Pastor Jim has given us three, four ways. Four ways. Let's look at, no, he's given us three ways. It seemed like four. He's given us three ways. <laughs> I'm sorry. Number four, number four. 
Number four. You ready? Who's ready? Renounce the sin. Renounce it. Renounce that curse, that thing that was passed on to you, and it's bad, and you recognize because of this series, because of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, that you've been passing it on to those behind you. So now what you have to do is renounce that. Here's what that means to me. This is my own Farrell Hardison version. We just heard the King James version. Now you're going to hear the Farrell version. It's like, it's like you're over here with your sin. You recognize it. You recognize that bad behavior. You recognize that bad pattern. You recognize that bad, harmful, hurtful attitude that was passed on to you. You recognize that you've been passing it on. You're a Christian. You're a believer. Or maybe you're here today and you haven't made that decision. You can make that decision today. But you see it. You recognize it. What you want to do now is take a stand against that. Here's the best way to do it. If God's over there and I'm over here with my sin, I need to go over here and join with God against that. How many of you know God's against that hurtful behavior? He's against that harmful behavior. How do I renounce that? How do I take a stand against that in my life as I join with God against that hurtful attitude in my life, that hurtful behavior? I admit it. I admit it. And that's hard for us because we're prideful. So admitting it is hard. Let's look at a prayer that you might pray and or listen to this prayer. I wrote down this prayer that you might pray to renounce it. Lord, I have sinned by embracing and passing on bad behaviors. I want to change. When's the last time you said that to God? I want to change. I don't want to practice or pass on what was practiced and passed on to me. I want to break this cycle here and now forever. I want to love what you love. I want to hate what you hate. I want to smile about the things that make you smile. I want to cry about the things that make you cry. And I want the things that break your heart to break my heart. God, I want to join with you against this bad behavior, this bad attitude, this hurtful, harmful action in my life. So you're not just admitting wrong. And, and listen, I'm preaching this and we're going through it because we got only so much time but i got to tell you guys, this is tough for us. This is tough for us because we resist, we push back when we have to admit. But that's how you get healed. That's how you move from the hurt and the hate to the healing and the health. You don't push back against the work of the Spirit in your life. And when God reveals that bad behavior, that bad action in you, take it, own it. And renounce it. So it's more than just admitting you got to declare, I'm not going to keep saying the things I've been saying. I'm not going to keep doing the things I've been doing. I'm not going to keep thinking the way I've been thinking. I want God to change me. Name it. Name it. You know, we talked about in January writing stuff down. Write it down. You say, well, I'm scared to write my sins down. Well, right above your sins, just put Pharaoh's. These are Pharaoh's sins. <clears throat> of course, then you'd have to ask God to forgive you for lying. But then again, some of them could be my sins. 
Because none of us are perfect. We're all in a process, aren't we? You remember that old song we used to sing when we were little? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. He's still, and I don't care how old you are, how long you've been a Christian. I don't care if you got Reverend, Doctor, Holy Father. I don't care what you got in front of your name. You're a work in progress. You're a work in progress. Call it what it is. Reject it. Abandon it. Forsake it. Leave it. Repudiate it. For real change to happen, we have to renounce it. Take sides with God against it. Number five, replace the sinful behavior with godly behavior. This is really, really important because if you just try to get rid of that bad attitude, that bad spirit, those bad words, the bad action, the bad attitude, all of that going on in your life, and you don't replace it with godly behavior, guess what will happen? You'll go right back to it. You'll go right back to that harmful thinking, that harmful speaking, those harmful actions. As a matter of fact, and I want you to get this, and I'd love to preach on it for about 30 minutes, but I'm not, I'm not. But let me just give you a principle. The sin of commission. In other words, you commit a sin, you do something wrong. Always comes out of the sin of omission. You left something out. Why do we sin? Because we've left out prayer. Why do we fall into temptation? Why do we let bad attitudes creep in? Why do we let bad speech creep in? Why do we let bad thinking creep in? I love what Zig Ziglar called it, stinking thinking. Why do we let that creep in? Because we've not replaced that with godly behavior. You have to establish patterns. We're talking about getting rid of some patterns. Now we're talking about bringing in some new patterns, bringing in some new ways of thinking, some new disciplines in our life where we know that, you know, Hosea talked about how we're bent toward evil. We're not bent toward good. Our bent is not toward God and good. It is bent toward bad. It's bent toward selfishness. So we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to bend us back. It's called sanctification. And you pray for sanctification. You pray for that work of God that bends you back toward Him. So, so this is so important. What are you going to replace that ungodly attitude with? And how are you going to do that? How are you going to develop disciplines in your life? We offer free material back here every Sunday. Have you taken advantage of it? We offer all kinds of free material Right Now Media. We've asked you guys to sign up for Right Now Media, and it's free. We pay a huge annual fee for you to get that for free. And, and that's, how you, that's how you replace bad things, bad patterns, with good patterns in your life. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This is not going to come up on the screen, but it doesn't need to. You recognize this verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Listen to this. The old has gone. Everybody say hallelujah. The old has gone. That was terrible. Let's do it again. Hallelujah. The old has gone. Now look what he says. Look what he says. And the new has come. That's where we're dropping the ball. We think what our job is to just get rid of all the bad old. 
But if you don't replace it with his new good, you're going to go back to the bad old. That's good preaching right there. I'm going to listen to this later because it's so good. Number six, receive forgiveness by faith. Now, Pastor Jim did a beautiful job, didn't he, talking about us forgiving those who've gone before us who have passed bad things on to us. And we can't judge them because we're guilty of passing bad things on too. So we can't judge them, so we have to forgive them. And Pastor Jim did a great job talking about us forgiving them. Now here's what I'm talking about. You forgiving you. You forgiving you. I look back on some things I passed on to my boys. And I don't like some of the things I passed on to them. As a matter of fact, you know, God isn't into shame. You do know that, don't you? God don't shame people. You say, well, when I think about my past life, I'm ashamed. Well, God didn't make you ashamed. Now, he may bring conviction to your life and you... Because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you see you did wrong and you come humbly before God to get that cleansed from your life. So conviction's good, but shame and condemnation is bad. Everybody say amen to that. Here's the difference. Let's say you tell a lie and all of a sudden you feel really convicted about that. Here's what conviction says. This is God saying to you because of your sin, come here. Come here. Let me help you. Let me strengthen you. Let me cleanse you. Let me forgive you. Come here. Be humble before me and let me wash that out of your life and help you not to do that again. So conviction, when it's God dealing with us about our sin, conviction says what? Come here. Here's what shame and condemnation says because it's from Satan. It says, go away. Go away. God is tired of you. God is sick of you messing up over and over and over. Go away. You ought to be what? Ashamed. You're going to the altar again Sunday. You're going back to the bridge again Sunday. You just prayed to be forgiven for that sin last Sunday, and you messed up again this week. God's sick of you. God, that's condemnation. And that is shame, and God is not into that. And the Bridge family said, get that truth in you. Amen? He forgives you. He forgives you. He forgives you. And what you have to do to move on so that you start passing on good blessings and good things is you got to forgive you. I'm talking to somebody in the house today. You've accepted God's forgiveness. You've accepted the forgiveness of other people. You know what you haven't done yet? You haven't said, I forgive me. I forgive me. Because if I don't, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'll never be who God wants me to be. I gotta forgive me for giving in to bad patterns and for passing on bad patterns. Our worship team is coming back to the stage because the end of this service, God's going to do a mighty work here among us today. And so the worship team's coming. Pastor Jim's going to come back. He's going to join me on the stage, but let me give you. We just had number six, so what's next? Y'all are math majors. 
Number seven, number seven, listen. You've got to break the authority of those curses. Come on, say the rest. You've got to break the authority of those curses. How? In the name of Jesus. Now, you know in the name of Jesus is not abracadabra, hocus pocus. I mean, you can't say over a bad situation in the name of Jesus and it just goes away, can you? You can't. I, have you ever been to a church that said, if everybody will just come to the altar, we're going to get out the slick 50, we're going to anoint you with the best oil we got, we're going to say in the name of Jesus and all your problems are over. Who's been to a church like that? And then when you left, you were still mean. I mean, I, maybe that wasn't the right word. But when you left, you didn't feel free because it's not abracadabra. It's not hocus pocus. Understanding what it means to take authority over those curses in the, names of, in the name of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but in this series, I've seen some things in me that I don't like. I've seen some things in me, come on, who's with me, who's with me, who's with me, the rest of y'all lying, y'all need to get up here too, it's altar time. I've seen things in me I don't like, and I want those things dealt with in my life, and they're dealt with not because of my willpower or my determination, they're not dealt with uh, because I'm, I'm uh, really setting myself or making up my mind. They're being dealt with because I'm surrendering to the authority of Jesus' name. Let me give you this, and then we're going to sing. How many of y'all know who Barney Fife is? It's about to get deep spiritually in here. You go, no, it's just about to get deep in here. Okay, all right, whatever. Barney Fife standing in the middle of Highway 70. How many of you know you can get killed if you stand in the middle of Highway 70? You can get killed just driving on Highway 70. Barney Five stands in the middle of Highway 70. He's got on his uniform. He's got on his hat. He's got on his badge. He's got his bullet in his pocket. He's standing in the middle of the road, and he sees an 18-wheeler coming at him, and he's got to stop that 18-wheeler because there's trouble down the road, and he's got to stop that 18-wheeler. Barney Five says, stop. Now, does that 18-wheeler have to stop because Barney Five said so? He adds something to that. He says, stop, come on, in the name of the law. So it isn't Barney Fife who stops that 18-wheeler. It's the authority of the state of North Carolina standing behind him. Amen? And when you look at those curses that have been ruling in your life. It's one thing to say, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to cut that out. I'm going to get some new disciplines in my life. I'm going to start reading some self-help books. I'm going to start watching Dr. Phil. But when you understand that they're only broken in the name of Jesus, they're not broken in your name or because of your determination, but they're broken in the authority and in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's all stand together, would you, everybody? I want you to walk up here. I want you to just walk up here. If you're physically able, if you're physically able, I want you to walk up here. And as you're walking, we're going to sing this song, and then Pastor Jim's coming back. I want you to close your eyes with me for just a minute, will you? Nobody's looking around. Let's just give everybody a private moment, if you will. Just me and you and God. 
Whether you've come forward or you're still at your seat, would you just answer a simple question for me? If you can recognize a pattern in your family that you do not want to perpetuate, you do not want to go forward, you'll recognize it. Would you just slip up your hand right now? Nobody's looking. Just me and you and God. God bless those hands all across the room. You can put them down. Now everybody look at me. We're going to do what Pastor Farrell just taught us to do. We're going to appropriate in a right way the authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. And he's given us the privilege to take authority in this area of our lives. So whether you're standing at your chair or you're standing here, we're going to read a prayer. Not going to try to stir your emotions. Not going to try to get you to do something powerful. We're just going to say the words. Because remember, the power of life and death is in the tongue. We're going to speak life in the name of Jesus this morning. The words are going to be on the screen. Come on. Come on. We're going to say these words, but we're not saying these words into the air. We're saying these words in heaven. And the Bible says whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And we're going to bind those curses, and we're going to loose blessing across the generation as we pray these words together in Jesus' name. Anybody believe it this morning? Here we go. Keep your eyes open. Read the words, but let them come from somewhere down deep. Read it with me. Father, I bow my heart to you today. I declare your word is truth. I receive it as the standard for everything in my life. I recognize that not everything my ancestors did or I have done has been right in your sight. I acknowledge some of our behaviors have grown into patterns of misery in my life and my family. I repent for the sins of ancestors, the ones I know and the ones I don't know. I release any and all unforgiveness toward them and toward myself to you. I commit here and now to remove those patterns from my life by replacing sinful behavior with godly behavior and receiving your forgiveness by faith. You declared that if I would hear and obey, I would be free. I would no longer be a slave to my sin. So now, as a child of God, I break the pattern of misery from my life and from my family. I break the curse of sin over all generations of my house in Jesus' name. From this day on, these curses are broken by the name and authority of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. Not one more day will these stand in my life. I set in motion from this day forward a cycle of life, a cycle of blessing for my house today and for generations to come. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen.